Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, one and all, and welcome to After the Checkered Flag, my F1 special series here on the Behind the Glass podcast. I am joined, as always, by Paul Wallace from Supercars of London to review the French Grand Prix. Is there a... No, that is as close to French as possible, isn't it? Uh, with the, France, the, France Grand Prix Francois. No, fr- no? Francais. Fr- Francois is a French name. Oh. <laughs> Le Grand Prix Francais. Oui, très bon. Seb will be so proud. <laughs> Sebastian Delany will be cringing, I think. Uh, it's a weird one, isn't it? Because in the UK, we do all learn French, you know, mm. up until a certain age. But as of today, I can't really speak any of it, but I do like to sort of, you know, pick out the old word. <laughs> Je ne sais quoi. I think, I think that's the Del Boy in all of us. <laughs> so it's only Fools and Horses mode where he just comes out with the wrong French but at then the I, best time. Then I go to France and I'm like, hello. <laughs> anyway, we are here to talk um, about... Un hamburger. Yeah. And ketchup. And catch up with some chips. We are here to talk about the French Grand Prix. This is the first time tuning in to After the Checkered Flag. Uh, it, it is where we sort of review the races of the 2021 Formula One season. Uh, we kind of go through the finishing order in reverse order, working our way up through the positions before we finally end up on the podium. And we just talk about each driver's race and what we thought, and some drivers are more interested than others. Maybe give a little bit of uh, improvements for the Oh, for the next race. some feedback. Yeah, yeah. well, we've, we've both been uh, seasoned single-seater drivers as we've as we've mentioned in previous episodes uh, sure. sam's driven a formula one car he doesn't like to mention it too much <gasps> well you know i could <laughs> <laughs> if you have missed future uh future previous episodes <laughs> God, missed future ones and what are the lottery numbers <laughs> <laughs> if you've missed previous episodes go back and check them out we have reviewed every race of the year so far however we had to combine Portugal and, and Spain because they were pretty dire. And I do think going into the French Grand Prix, we, we both thought oh. that this was going to be a pretty tough race to commentate on. Yeah. Because usually nothing happens at the French Grand Prix. I mean, the fact that we had an exciting French Grand Prix only bodes well for the rest of the season because if it can, if it can uh, deliver on that stage, then I cannot wait for Austria. I mean, honestly, this season just keeps getting better and better. And you're so right. I mean, of all the Grand Prix to sort of test whether this really is an epic season or not, it is the French Grand Prix. And hey, we're going to have some boring races ahead. There are often tracks that we think are going to give us unbelievable racing. And it tends to not <laughs> be one Monaco every year. Yeah. <laughs> but France, traditionally, or at least the few races that we've had at Paul Ricard have been pretty processional. Yeah, I think that there's also something in there's not that much danger there's so much runoff 
that it doesn't feel like an Imola. You know, like if you come off the track at Imola, you're in the barrier about 180 mile an hour or a street circuit like Baku. Monaco slightly different. But I find when I'm watching Paul Ricard, if they come off, it's like a little spin. But all of those stripes are doing so much to stop the car or slow it down before the barrier comes in that it's almost unlikely you're going to get a safety car. We were really hoping for a thunderstorm. Oh, my God, at one point. <laughs> of course we didn't get it, but F3 did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sunday morning, we all woke up to tweets being like, it's raining, oh, poor God, everyone's freaking out. And then it gets like an hour before the race. The rain has stopped, it's now dry. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you're right. There's something about watching that poor Ricard circuit. Whilst it, it may be good to drive, and hey, it's been an unbelievable test circuit for Formula One teams and all kinds of motorsport over the years on TV it doesn't translate because it's hard to almost follow you know there's, mm. there's so many sort of lines and shapes it gets a bit sort of you know blurry almost I can't really work out where they're going to turn or not I struggle to remember the track layout yeah um, from the TV camera I think it was Martin Brundle that said there was 130 odd different layouts it was purpose built yeah. to have all these different configurations to be useful, all these different times of testing and racing, and and so it's impressive. But yeah, it's it's not the most visually spectacular mm. to watch on TV, but it delivered <laughs> a strategic wonder show. Yeah, I mean, what, what, that's a great way of describing it. Everyone was saying before how similar Paul Ricard is to Catalonia and Barcelona. Uh, Barcelona. <laughs> Uh, our pronunciation is all over the place this morning. Uh, FYI, it's 9.30 on Monday morning. I think both of us need a little bit more caffeine, but anyway. Um, and it literally delivered near on the exact same race, just in a flip reverse so that Red Bull could come back for Sudis. I mean, I sort of kind of want to skip from 20th to 4th just to like talk <laughs> I, about I, that. I did say to you just before we started the podcast, can we just skip out some of the back, <laughs> some of the back markers? Well, you know what? I feel like we're what, six, seven races in mm-hmm. now? So we're sort of seven odd episodes we're, into we're a third a third of the way through the season mm. wow time flies but we're all that means we're a third of the way through our, our, our beyond the checker what, what do i call it <laughs> after, after the, the checker flag <laughs> don't even know the name of my own series i <laughs> <laughs> really do need that caffeine um, but i think we've learned that we can kind of skip through some some drivers races yeah i think there quickly. was a couple of drivers this weekend that just seemed to either have like quite a good qualifying and then just went backwards but there was also some drivers in this particular race that got zero tv coverage therefore it was almost impossible for a viewer to follow there is one driver that i had no idea finished in the position they did that i'm like wow how did that happen we'll come on to it okay so let's get strong <laughs> no, but I've just seen where he finished yeah, and I yeah, didn't yeah. even notice that either. Well, he's my favourite. <laughs> just because you want his dad's money. Uh, so, yes, keep no, things we off. need a sponsor for <laughs> the pod. Come on, let's get into it. Okay. People get annoyed by a waffle at the front. <laughs> so, yes, for those of you who've now skipped ahead to this point, welcome. Uh, 20th position, 19th position, Mazepin and Schumacher. Uh, Schumacher, obviously did qualify, qualify in inverted commas, 15th. He's a Ferrari driver <laughs> already. <laughs> Guys, I'm in. <laughs> Crash. <laughs> He's learning well. Uh, but yeah, then did bin it. Um, and you say that the stripes are sort of different, various, you know, asphalts, uh, whatever they would call it, slowed the cars down. But actually, we did see quite a lot of crashes. I don't think it's as oh. effective as it maybe was 20 years ago. No, no, no. I, I, I still don't understand because it's been carried through from Monaco, Baku, and now into this or the weekend that's just gone. I don't, I don't understand why drivers are crashing so much in qualifying. Yeah, 
yeah, it's weird. I don't know if they're overdriving. I mean, we are seeing some of the sort of rookies, obviously Sonoda, Schumacher, mm. Mazepin actually less <laughs> yeah. uh, than he was at the start of the year. Uh, but, you know, we are seeing a lot of uncharacteristic mista- mistakes. Maybe the cars are sort of getting have got to a development point now where they're on a bit of a knife edge mm. they're right at the sort of limit and it was a bit windy wasn't it it was very windy tricky conditions obviously but yeah schumacher did bin it as you say he'd got into q2 <laughs> did then they were oh, quickly crash <laughs> secure that position um but yeah as i say the the different sort of types of tarmac didn't do very much to slow him down and and pretty serious damage but didn't need a gearbox change so started 15th but unfortunately as we sort of expected went backwards mm. um and you know good to see him above mazepin i do think mazepin is starting to get you know, calm down a bit and maybe yeah. get to grips with that car. The thing that I'm kind of loving, but it's also going a bit too far in my mind, is have you noticed the Schumacher Vettel loving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Like to the point where they're like such best mates. I, but I think I think it's for, I think it, from Vettel's side, it's for show. I think Mick Do is. Do you? Yeah, I think Mick is. Um, I think he's just fairly chilled. I think Mick is enamoured with Seb because obviously. Michael and Seb as in Mick's dad yes. and Seb had a very close relationship yeah, and that yeah. was kind of like mentor mentee. And I think I, I think Seb wants to car- to be like guys like just remember who my friend is. <laughs> I, I <laughs> that's kind of what it's like guys no, just I don't s- forget I am friends with the great one. <laughs> <laughs> I so disagree. I think it's a very genuine thing from both of yeah, them. It's but I'm a just a bit like oh friends. <laughs> Yeah. You're like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah. Like at the end of the race, I think Mick took like Vettel over to his car, like, look, so this is where I sit. <laughs> and then I, I changed gear here and said, like, mm, lovely. Like, I'm just like, come on, you can be a mental mentee, but <laughs> yeah. don't overdo it. Um, anyway, so yeah, they, they were, were expected of them. Same with Nicholas Latifi, 18th, Kimi Raikkonen, 17th, Charles Leclerc, mm. 16th. It's, it's quite sweet that we're talking about him so early in the podcast. No, 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 no. In all seriousness, it's not. <laughs> sure. I'm only doing it to wind you up because we talk about Ferrari. We're both very excited at the performance of their car this season. And it was just a bit weird. Tough race for them. Tough, tough race. I think, you know, going into practice and then qualifying, everyone was like, okay, we're back at a relatively normal circuit. Uh, we're not at the street tracks anymore. We expect Ferrari to sort of be solidly in that third or fourth position fighting with McLaren like they were before, maybe a bit of Alpine or Alpha Tauri, et cetera. And, and they were, I mean, in, in quality and in practice, like, yeah, oh my God, they're still kind of there. Like, mm. they're still super competitive. This is great. Um, Science got their one up on, on Charles. I was like, okay, cool. Like, it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't a street yeah. race fluke. And then in the race, they just went backwards. It was literally like their their tyres were delaminating every single lap. Uh, and it, they just got consistently slower. It happens through all the teams. Like We see it. You know, yeah. tracks don't suit certain cars. And this seemed to be just one of those tracks. And I hope that was the case. I hope you know, that it wasn't this blip. But if you think about it, all the way up until this Grand Prix, Ferrari have been competitive, yeah. especially when Charles Leclerc's behind the <laughs> yeah, wheel. Yeah, well, the last two races, he put it on pole. Well, there you go. So to see him down in 16th, a little bit sore. And I think, I think they were both pretty frustrated, uh, both of them out of the points. And in their fight with McLaren for P3 and the constructors, which, which what we're expecting it to carry on season mm-hmm. long. Yeah, pretty, pretty disastrous. He, race he wouldn't them. have been at Jimmy's on Sunday night. So <laughs> which is a club in Monaco, for those of you that don't know. <laughs> Paul with his rogue Monaco references. <laughs> I've literally referenced it in every podcast. <laughs> but maybe, maybe he will be there. We win, we lose, we drink. Um, so, yeah, moving on. Uh, Giovinazzi, 15th. Ocon, a very quiet weekend in 14. Very quiet. I feel like he's just, he's signed the contract and just gone, whatever. Well, that's what we have to talk about, right? Because yeah, yeah. home race for the team, for him, he's, 
had a good season. We've and talked the car, like the car looked quick at that track. The car looked quick. Well, it was he's, quick in Alonso's case. Well, there we go. And mm. he's he's been performing, outperforming Alonso, but been performing well, being competitive. We kind of said, you know, Ocon's doing an all right mm. job. And and how having said that, I've said for a while that I didn't necessarily see that he was doing enough to keep his seat though and I thought Gasly were going to be coming in there to to boot off well, on out. a lot of people did because there was a lot of talk about that all weekend and I think I saw an interview with Gasly where they were talking about saying well now that Ocon's got the Alpine seat and that is a big commitment from Alpine. Three year yeah. deal for Ocon. That's basically saying there is no one going to be better than you coming up from F2 or in the current field that we see fit in that seat. Yeah, they're Which pinning their hopes on yeah. him. I think that's, I mean, is that, is that just Toto Wolf? Yeah, no, but this is, no, that's the thing, right? He's, he's had a good season, but not good enough to warrant a yeah. three-year contract <laughs> extension. Like, I, was, I, was I, was like, like yeah. I still think, and I've said this for a while, that Alpine must have a yeah. joker up their sleeve where they really believe their 2022 car is competitive. the big deal. Like yeah. I think they're thinking that they're going to be the Mercedes of 2014 because that's how I think they lured Danny Rick in. Mm. I think that's how they managed to convince Alonso to come back. Because Alonso was never going to come back to do what he's doing, which is racing at the bottom of the points. Yeah. He's coming back to win races. And they must have something, or they must really believe they've got this edge. And so locking in Ocon is because maybe they think, wow, if we're going to be podium positions or winning races next year, we can see on the telemetry that Ocon is going to be performing well and people are going to come trying to steal him away so let's lock him in at, the, at this point can teams be using a simulator for the new car next year of course yeah, yeah so absolutely they could have this data that we have no access to going oh my god what so listening back to uh some of the stories from the mercedes year you know so 2013 to 2014 when they're developing or even the braun year in 2009 mm. for example it's really interesting when you speak to engineers because now with hindsight you can say like did you know? Like, you must have yeah. known. And Braunier is actually more interesting where they saw on their telemetry that they were a second faster than the 2008 car. And going into testing, everyone was saying, oh, you know, we've lost a second from our 2008 car because that was the whole point that it was supposed to slow the cars down. So they were like, okay, so this is weird because like we're faster <laughs> and everyone else saying they're slower, like can't be quite right went to testing and like literally went out and blitzed it from yeah. day one. And, that, and that's when they started to kind of get an idea. And so that's the thing. You can have an idea. Like Renault could be sitting there going, we are five seconds quicker than we are <laughs> yeah, right yeah. now. But th- you never know what Until, your competition uh, are yeah, doing. Yeah. So you can be as cock as you like in terms of your own development and progress. And that's what I think they are. But obviously we, we don't know. Ferrari have already said that they're, they're stopping development on the mm. 2021 car. They're all 2022 now. Yeah. We don't know how long Mercedes. Toto was hinting at the fact that they're doing the same. So it's hard to say, but that's where I think they've locked in Ocon because they think he's going to be hot property. Yeah. If they start maxing results, they think people are going to come trying to steal this guy. Let's lock him in. It's quite exciting that we're talking about next year already. I Normally, can't wait for yeah. next year. <laughs> as good as this year is, I cannot wait. Yeah. Because you know what's weird? I was looking at the race, watching the race on TV going, Cars do look a bit old now. <laughs> really? Yeah, I was looking at it going, they look a bit basic. <laughs> yeah, but it was only like two years ago. When I see a two-year-old car now, and you see the differences between the current car, you're like, oh my God, is that what I watched? Yeah, like the development like, is yeah. insane, yeah. right? So I think when we see these new cars next year, it's going to be very oh, exciting. Oh, these ones are going to date very quickly. Very quickly. Depreciate very quickly on Autotrader. <laughs> so true, you would know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, big, big news for Ocon. Congrats to him. I do think we still have the potential of seeing 
Gasly in that second Alpine seat. Oh, do you? Well, we just don't know what Alonso's going to do. Mm, yeah. You know, that's the thing. We, yeah. we, I don't think we know much about his contract. I think it was two years or one plus one. I, I'm not sure. Um, but but we'll come on to Gasly. Let, let's, yeah, let's keep yeah. going. But yeah, Ocon, very quiet race, unfortunately for him. Uh, Sonoda as well, another mistake in qualifying. Mm. And then a relatively quiet race, P13. Not much to yeah, say. I mean, he started 19th, I think. I yeah. think Stroll's 20th. No, you, Sonoda started in the pit lane. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, because um, he had a gearbox change. So, so, yeah, I mean, he's just overtaken the Haas, the Williams, and the Alphas. And Leclerc. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't Leclerc in enough? Yeah. <laughs> Might as well have been. Don't say that. <laughs> so, P12 is the surprise result for me. Who do you think it was? P12. Uh, pass. Georgie Russell. Really? Yeah. Russell in P12. How did that go under the radar? I have no idea. I mean, I know it's not points, but that's a solid that result. Is, that is. I mean, say beating Sonoda, and, Ocon, and Giovinazzi, Leclerc, Raikkonen, Latifi, Schumacher, Mazepin. I looked at the final standings and I completely missed that. Yeah. I think that's super impressive. I think, yeah. And he, he was a Q2 guy as well, wasn't he? I think yeah, he was he Q2, was, he was, you know, was. with Sonoda having his failure. I think he, he scraped into Q2. So a very solid weekend mm. from George. And we are all expecting imminent uh, the, the, news. Yeah, there is so much noise on social media about... Because Toto mentioned him and Bottas in the same sentence talking about seats and all sorts. Well, I think also Toto was like, I'm so fed up with people asking about yeah, this. Yeah, I'm going to announce gonna it. Talking like, about it. Well, I'm like, I'm in Christmas, I'm going <laughs> to yeah, announce the driver lineup. Yeah. Uh, and everyone was like... <laughs> and he's like, I'm only joking. Guys. <laughs> so we're all expecting it. There's a lot of speculation, but but I, I yeah, I mean, mm. I think we're all expecting it. <laughs> so <laughs> let's wait and see. But the big conundrum is if if Hamilton goes, who who takes that seat? Yeah, but we we got to talk about Bottas, and that's <laughs> coming up. So anyway, great result from George Russell. Good weekend. Carlos Sainz in eleventh. You know, again, as we we touched on it, Ferrari not strong race for them, but a strong performance from Carlos considering he outqualified Leclerc and finished just outside the points, mm. but above Leclerc as yeah. well. So I think, you know, he continues to impress in that Ferrari. Um, he's just slotted in so well. He's slotted in so well. Yeah. I think he's loving his life. Yeah. Talking about slotting in well, or, or no, just performing well. Uh, <laughs> your best mate, Lance Stroll, P10. Uh, when did he, he P19 started? Yeah, yeah, he started at the back. Started at the back, P10. And you know, positive signs from Aston Martin. Mm. They seem to have got to grips with that car. Oh, there was some highlights watching the Vettel overtakes, watching Stroll overtakes. Yeah. Like, they were flying. They were cracking on. And I think another good, strong performance from Vettel, uh, P9 for him. Yeah. So I think that was good. And considering they both sort of, you know, qualified, well, didn't qualify particularly well, uh, but they managed to get up into the points. And so, yeah, it's competitive, yeah. racy. Um, I think Vettel looks way happier as well. Way happier. There was a, a random post that I saw in my explore feed on Instagram of him just... He literally looked like he must have spent about 10 minutes with one fan on the practice. And he was just stood there having a chat, took some photos. And I think if you're not comfortable in your seat, you're having a stressful weekend, or you're just not that confident going into the race weekend, you wouldn't do that. You'd literally be going straight back to your hotel room or wherever you're staying and not engaging at all because you need to get into that headspace of trying to calm yourself down. So the fact that he was just chilling there, having a conversation with a, just an F1 fan, yeah. taking photos. He just looks happier. I think happy in his own skin. I think yeah. he, I think he's enjoying the development. I think he's enjoying his, what he's bringing to the team now. I think he's feeling more comfortable in the car. I mean, how many laps did he do on that first stint? Yeah. He just kept going yeah. and like in a in a quick way and then obviously bolted on some fresh tires, overtook some people and yeah, P9, congrats. Mm. Um loving the sort of the the form of Vettel at the moment. 
Um, does it make you want to buy an Aston Martin? No. No? no. Not even the does F1 it? edition Vantage? No. Mm. Does it make you want to buy one? No. And actually, I get a bit annoyed when I see that. When the <laughs> oh, no, the DBX the advert. <laughs> it's just like, I, I mute it now. For British TV viewers or, or Sky F1 viewers. Yeah. Oh, my God. They play this Vettel and DBX Aston Martin advert between every sort of whenever they take a break it plays and oh it's so annoying it reminds me of the i don't know whether you're going to remember this and i don't know whether the viewers are or the listeners but do you remember like that really dark and that black is it black widow the horse one no 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 it was about or the scottish widows okay it was just really like dark and depressing Uh, like almost like hit you in the soul yeah. and with, the, with the voiceover and the visuals and in this one it's kind of the same but it's Vettel talking about the journey the journey where you have been is not a journey oh, <laughs> it's just it just yeah, doesn't it's, make me want to buy a DBS I'm so with you I'm like oh guys are so annoying skip 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 <laughs> but, um, and, and I say when, and at the start starts uh, the start procedure the DBX pulled up at the back is the medical car I was like oh what is that whale get rid of that <laughs> um, anyway uh, moving on uh, Fernando Alonso, Jimmy Alfonso in eighth. Very competitive weekend for yeah, Alonso. I reckon um, he enjoyed it. I think he enjoyed it. He seemed good. I mean, again, the Alpine didn't seem to have that much race pace. Yeah, there was um, a, there was a time where he went back a few places in quite quick succession. I think the McLarens were coming through. Yeah, and you could see that even just the speed difference between uh, a front running midfield car in the McLarens and the Alpine, um, which again goes back to hopefully next season. Alpine are going to whip out this absolute monster of a car. We'll wait and see. But yeah, I, th- I think he's probably getting a little bit happier. He had a good race in Baku, right? I think he's, he came out saying he enjoyed himself. No idea. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so much we pay attention to what Alonso is doing. But I feel like he's starting to sound a little bit more positive. But it's still it's still quiet for Alonso. You know, there's mm. still not a lot of like hype and excitement we know about his return. numbers of his shirt sales at the moment? <laughs> <laughs> Probably high enough in Spain. <laughs> um, actually, I reckon Carlos Sainz's shirts might be uh, yeah, to, yeah, with a Ferrari badge on. That's exactly it. Uh, so P seven, Pierre Gasly, mm. home race. I mean, the man just continues to do great things. Qualifying, fantastic, strong race. And this is what we're going to talk about. And actually, it did come up on commentary over the weekend. What does Pierre Gasly do now? And I think we spoke about it. We're seeing a lot of these top teams really lock in drivers. Of course, Mercedes, we still have a question. Could we see Gasly to Mercedes? It's not unheard of. No. You know, could we have Russell and Gasly at Mercedes? <gasps> what a lineup. I There's mean, potential yeah. there. Um, but it, take Mercedes aside, Red Bull, I don't think he's going back there. And yeah. I think Red Bull are going to be getting happier and happier with the Verstappen Perez lineup. Um, Ferrari locked in, as we know. Uh, McLaren locked in, as we know. Alpine. Looks like they might be yeah. locked in. Um, so, what do you do? And I think he must be thinking about that. Where you know, how do I get back up to a really race winning? And he deserves it. Yeah. I mean, the man is pulling out results left, right, and centre. So, there was an interesting point that one of the commentators made on the coverage that was saying he's almost got n- not that he's got nothing to lose, but he's he, his teammate is Sonoda, who he's obviously comfortably beating at the moment. He's He's racing against a rookie in his own team, um, but also has nothing to lose in the sense that there is almost not that much expectation in the same, uh, in comparable to when he was in the Red Bull seat, racing against Verstappen, firstly just being under that sort of pressure, but then also being around that environment of the Red Bull always needing you to deliver the results. And he is definitely at one with the current car. I don't know whether he is a, like a, a, he's not a one 
one driver car, one car driver. One car driver. As in, okay, so as in like he just really he, bonds with that car and that car suits him. But and, also the team around mm, him, mm. his competition within the team. I feel like he's quite comfortable being that number one driver. And yeah. I wonder whether if he was to move to Mercedes, whether he would be treated the same or whether mm. George Russell would get all of the, the glitter and sprinkles. I still question, well, that's not a topic. <laughs> I still question if Russell will deliver at Mercedes. But anyway, um, my thing with Gasly is you're right where... Like, where at, can he go? At Alpha Tauri, anything above sixth position is a victory. Yeah. He's won the race. Yeah. Whilst at Red Bull or at Mercedes, it, it, anything below first and you, you're a failure. As a, as, a, as a competitive driver, in Gasly's head, he wants to be up on that podium every single race weekend. He wants to be mm. in one of those competitive cars that gets him or gives him a chance to get onto that podium. But at the same time, being in that position... We've seen it with Red Bull. The pressure gets to him and the environment. Potentially, but potentially, because there's so many factors that we don't know behind closed doors. Yeah. What was that Red Bull like to drive? We've seen it with Daniel Ricciardo. We've seen it with other drivers, with Vettel at the start of the season, tr struggling to get on top mm. of a car. And then on top of that, you've got the politics, you've got the yeah. pressure, you've got the team always focusing on Max. So a thousand of it, and he wasn't given a long enough, he wasn't given no, the chance no. to really prove his worth or his value um, before getting booted back down. Yes, he's performing fantastically. I think he is proving that he's got huge amounts of talent. But you're right, if he were to switch team to a to an engine that performs differently, to a car that drives differently, and to a team that has a different mentality or focus, will he adapt to that well and quickly enough to still do these results. And I think I mentioned in a previous episode of this podcast, uh, it was Kamui Kobayashi uh, saying, you know, the driver can only get to 110% of their ability when they are truly matched with the mm. car. Every good driver can achieve 100%. Everyone in Formula One is achieving 100%. But Verstappen and Red Bull, Hamilton and Mercedes, Schumacher and Ferrari, they are so bonded and gelled with that car and that team. That's when they're able to deliver even mm. more. And I think that's what Gasly's got at Alpha Tauri. Mm. And so that's, you're right, that is the question. And I think if he goes to another team and doesn't gel with it immediately, it will be in his head from race mm. two, mm. is this Red Bull all over again? Yeah. And I, and, and I don't know whether he's mentally strong enough to get through that to then gel with another car, not discrediting his driving ability at all. I'm just basically speaking my opinion. But yeah. That's no, no, kind no. of the way that I've, I think... Rather than strive, I just think he should continue with the faith in that team that he can get the odd podium. He can pick up a lot of points. Oh, but surely, as a sportsman, exactly like that, that's you, the, that's, that's his mentality. That, yeah. He was very vocal on the weekend, though, talking about that he wants that Red Bull seat. But sounds a bit Red, sad. Though, isn't uh, Red Bull, <laughs> yeah, because they 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 definitely <laughs> don't need late, him. Mate. Yeah, yeah. As we don't want you. Like it's a bit like I think he's chasing the wrong dream there, and I think it gives off the wrong message. Yeah. to other teams. If well, he's and all he, It's all he talks about is getting back that Red Bull seat. I, mm. I will get that seat back. I will do it. And it's a bit like, let it go. Yeah. Look at other options. Because yeah. I, I, yeah, anyway, still just performing well. Yeah. Someone else- Enjoy watching him. Yeah, I enjoy mm. watching him. That's why I wanted to get on the top team. Uh, someone else performed well this weekend. Daniel Ricciardo. Oh, that's Maybe the strongest weekend we've seen from him. Oh, McLaren, yeah. Yeah, I think. definitely. Definitely you know, in the McLaren. Qualifying, um, we're still, he's qualified. He has outqualified Lando mm. earlier in the year, so it wasn't his strongest qualifying. But as a race, we saw competitive go get your attitude from Danny Rick, which we yeah. haven't seen all season. Yeah. No, he was going after cars. That start was great. Start it was, was super competitive. 
to hear, and I'm sure every F1 driver does, as pretty much every sportsman do, they go back and they review their own performance, they watch it back, and he was saying how in 2019 he got stuck in the middle, he got wedged in the middle, had a really bad turn one, turn two, and this time he was like, I was just looking for anything, yeah. and it worked really well, because yeah. I found that slot on the outside, and I just didn't break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute legend. Yeah. But yeah, he seemed buoyed, he seemed positive, and there was that slight, that really interesting piece that uh, Sky F1 did with McLaren, but you picked up on Danny Rick saying, these next three races, this triple header we've got, it's going to help me so much mm. to find this rhythm, to really get on top of the car. They're much more traditional circuits. They're circuits I know well, and I can really like extract yeah. what I want to extract from this car. And, and it was, you know, we still expect him to be closer. We expect him to be closer and beating Norris. Maybe it's not going to happen, but it was a strong, strong race weekend for him and a really strong race for McLaren because mm. yes, Norris with an unbelievable strategy, up to P five, oh, uh, he was fuming in in the in that first stint. Oh he was like, God. "We are we're not on the right strategy." Raging, yeah, yeah. Just calm down, Lando. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he does continue to impress Lando. It's solid results, and I think he's still ahead of Bottas in the championship. Yeah, I mean, that's outrageous. <laughs> yeah, but it was only from this race weekend's results that Bottas moved up ahead of. I think you're right, Leclerc. I think yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't want to like... Well, Perez oh, was in there at some point, but he's obviously jumped up now. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, bottom. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so McLaren really, really strong, really solid, because it didn't look like it from qualifying. And, and actually, they were quite downhearted after qualifying. Yeah, but did you see Zach Brown pre-race? He was, he was really confident. Like, oh, really? The way that I listened to him, I was like... They know something that we don't. Mm. He was like, "Oh yeah, like it is, it's going to be a great race. We got we got a really good pace." And then Lando uh. said something like, "Okay, we're not in a red ball, uh, but here's where we want to be." And it was like right behind. So oh, they kind of ra- they they drove the race they were expecting. Fine. Okay. So they obviously it was great to see had set up the car to have great race pace. Yeah. Um, yeah, great to see. And you know, we love the return of McLaren, just like the return of Ferrari. Obviously, Ferrari. Do had we a much want the Gulf shorter blip? Yes. I yeah, don't think I do want the golf livery back. Really? I don't love the orange of the McLarens. I like, yeah. I kind of want like the West livery back from the nineties, <laughs> if I'm honest. But um, you know, I don't love the orange. But like, the golf one, I was just a bit like, yeah. oh, no, see, I thought it was. I really like, liked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was so cool driving around. Each their own. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. 
That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. So here we go. We get into the top four where it gets very juicy because whilst we sort of whilst we sort of went, oh, Bottas, what a talking point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. this is hilarious, I think, Bottas this season because never have we seen so much personality from a Finnish driver, <laughs> let alone Valtteri Bottas. If, if, as we all speculate, this is because he's been given the boot, he's been told, mm. you're out, mate. You yeah, haven't performed. Isn't it just us two that are speculating? No, no, no. A lot okay. of people are speculating okay. this. Um, if that's the we case. We started it, though. We started it. We definitely started <laughs> the rumour. People listen to this podcast, Paul. <laughs> we are the rumour. <laughs> <laughs> Why haven't we seen this, Bottas, before? Why, mm. it, of all our, ver- it's version 2.0. It's version 2.5. Why was this not version 1.0, mm. Bottas? Yeah. He should have been this hot-headed, this angry, this vocal from day one maybe he hasn't been given the boot maybe he's just frustrated and fed up with the way he's being sort of treated because the team are kind of shoehorning him into a number two position but as i've personally said before you end up being a number two driver if you're not competitive enough to be considered a number one driver you know you've got to even equal or even equal yeah you've got to be there fighting tooth and nail taking victories away being competitive and over the last five years or so, Bottas hasn't done that. We've seen it over and over again. He just hasn't done it. Mm. So uh, that's why, sorry, Valtteri, that you're being used like that. Um, <laughs> but this amazing fury he, from him. He, yeah, he was absolutely furious. Now, we disagree on the point. So basically, long story short, uh, Mercedes basically kept him on a one-stop strategy to kind of safeguard uh, Hamilton from a mm. sort of, you know, a fighting Verstappen. Bottas was calling for a two-stop strategy, I think, very early on in the race. Yeah. Realised that it was going to be a two-stop. I think he was the first driver that recognised it. Potentially. Um, or at least that's what we heard um, in terms of the team radios. And so, you know, he was then very frustrated towards the end of the race where he obviously went backwards and ended up finishing off the podium, <laughs> being overtaken by Verstappen and Perez. Now, we disagree on a point here. Because when Verstappen got past Bottas, in the build-up to this amazing, which we still need to come on to, this amazing sort of 20-lap chase, uh, the sort of one hope that Hamilton fans, Mercedes fans, and Mercedes themselves were holding on to was that Bottas might be able to hold up mm. Verstappen for a few laps. And that would, would have actually bought Hamilton would, yeah, a, a little bit, bit of, t- of time. And potentially the race victory. But it's not what happened. <laughs> um, Bottas. I actually think Bottas held Lewis up for longer at Barcelona than he did did Verstappen at Paul Ricard. Okay, so you text me straight away when Verstappen got through saying he basically did that on purpose. Like like Bottas was just like letting Verstappen go like, oh, sorry guys, I tried to defend, but the tyres are gone. So you genuinely believe he made it as easy as possible for Verstappen? No, I see, I I don't think he made it as easy as possible as in I've just been waved the blue flag past me. But at the same time, I think at the part of the track that he was at, he could have made it a little bit more difficult. But at the same time, I'd like to think I know his mindset in that moment as if to be like, whatever, these guys aren't listening to me. And you deal with it, Lewis. (laughs) (laughs) See, I totally disagree because I think Bottas defended his position harder than Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was way more racist. I mean, he tried to go round the outside or at least <laughs> do something at whatever it's called, Sin, Sin Corner, which is the 200 mile an hour yeah. right hander. Like, Bottas was still there in it, some shape or form, getting onto the marbles. Like, 
that was semi-impressive. Hamilton was like, whatever. Yeah, See yeah, but again, it was at that part of the track where Lewis was just like, nothing I can do. DRS, yeah, the, better tires. Yeah, and he just but, he just cruised past him. And Lewis said after he was like, well, if I didn't, if I defended really aggressively there, he would have just got me on the next bit anyway. So yeah. what was the point? I think uh, that's what we we're going to talk about when we get onto Lewis. You know, there was definitely a, a championship mindset, uh, an an elder statesman mm. uh, mindset from <laughs> Hamilton but but I disagree I think Bottas did try his best I think to keep that position because I think he knew if he let Verstappen through that Perez would be right on his tail mm. as well so I, th- I yeah. think I think Bottas was fighting hard um but was just like I, held I, off I've Perez got nothing. for longer though yeah yeah fair fair um Verstappen was on a charge and anyway I mean how demoralizing though would it have been for for Valtteri to obviously have been so vocal about the two stop this is a yeah, two-stop yeah, yeah. strategy, blah, 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 blah. And then having Perez go past him and then they have brought him in for the fastest oh my lap. God. Can we talk about that? Because Toto said, we were hoping for a Perez penalty, which was why we didn't bring Valtteri in to go for fastest lap. I think that is a cop-out excuse. One million percent. Can like, you imagine I, a debrief if they had brought him in for the fastest lap? I had to be like, oh no, we, we did do the two-stop strategy, just like not when you called it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we did it with one lap to go. Uh, I think Bottas must be fuming, as I say, whether he's got the boot or not. I think, though, he must be very mm. unhappy. If he hasn't got the boot at the moment, he's he on his way to get you, it. You would think that he's going to go out and try and get another seat or another drive. Because uh, he sounds furious with yeah, the team the yeah, whole time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's enjoyable, but, but the problem is, it's enjoyable to listen to because it's entertaining. The problem is, he's still not delivering results. And mm. I know Bottas fans are saying, well, because Mercedes is screwed, he wanted the two stop. But, I'm sorry, Hamilton did somehow manage to drive his race as tough as it was. Yes, it was the wrong strategy. Yes, it was bad strategy calls, or they were outsmarted. But Bottas, just be quicker, mate. Yeah. Just be quicker. Because even in the first in, when I text you and said, oh, like, Bottas was probably wrapped a rope around Verstappen's car. Lewis was just dictating the pace for the tyres. Perez was obviously on his own strategy. He had been told, these are the times that you need to do, which is why those three drove off. But then as the race progressed, Bottas wasn't attacking. He wasn't giving off any sort of, oh, actually, he's got this. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah there yeah, was yeah. never a moment where you're like, Hold on a minute. You thought there was a threat from Bottas. He eaten his porridge. Yeah. <laughs> he was there or thereabouts, keeping yeah. the pace, but, but it just never looked, you yeah. know, you never saw him go, oh, Bottas could win this. Yeah. Like he was there, but you yeah. didn't think he would win it. You thought Perez might but have the, 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 Mer- the Merck strategies did screw his race. Yes. Well, so, okay. So let's come on to strategies because that's what it's really all mm. about. Uh, Perez in third, that's the kind of genius one stopper. And this was where Red Bull went into this race really switched on Mm. because you know I think both Red Bull and Mercedes over the last few years have made some strategic blunders have got some things wrong have been outsmarted by others but going into that doing the long play with Perez gave Red Bull options and I think that shows the confidence they're starting to have in Perez and the car and the car they're Mm. starting to see his ability his ability to manage tyres what the car could do and they knew we can keep him out there for a long time and he will come into play at the end of the race and screw up Mercedes' heads yeah. a bit because they're going to have to keep an eye on him because yeah. he's going to be doing something different. Which is what Christian Horner has said for the last two, three seasons with the Albon and Gasly era. It's all they want. Yeah, they, all they, they just wanted. want to put another car in between the Mercs or just behind Verstappen to just let him do his own yeah. race. And just to distract the Mercedes and create a problem. And that's exactly what he did. So great race from Perez. But that was, as I say, the starter of Red Bull have come here mm. 
really trying to win this race. They yeah. haven't gone, oh, it's a Mercedes track, which it has been the last few times yeah. that we've been there. I think Hamilton had led like 99.9% of laps at Paul Ricard since F1 had returned. So, um, yeah, so Perez, great strategy, great drive from him. P3, another podium. I'm excited for this. I think we're going to start to see the real strength from Perez. It did seem a bit weird to have both Red Bull drivers on the podium. Did you not look at that and be like, oh. Huh. Yeah, no, no, I totally did. I, I haven't seen that. When are we going to see, when we see the next one, <laughs> yeah, two, yeah, I'm going to be yeah. like, Oh wow! Like Mark Webber and Sebastian Vettel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's going on? It here? was really quite strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm so with you there. Um, it, it's been a while. Yeah. Um, but but nice to see and say yeah. nice to see Perez being able to yeah, deliver, yeah, deliver yeah. the results. So P1 and P2 Verstappen and Hamilton. Mm. Um, the, the championship battle continues <laughs> uh, of the century. So uh, let me get your take first. Um, who who? Who won this race? Did Red Bull win this race? Did Verstappen, did Mercedes lose this race? How do you analyze it? That's a great question. Okay, so the first, I've got a bit of a confession. Oh, so I was asleep. (laughs) This is the first time, I think, in the last five years that during Q3, after their first banker lap, and you looked at the times, I spoke to my girlfriend and I said, who's going to get pole? She was like, Verstappen, obviously. And I was like, no, no, that's who you want. Yeah. Who do you think is going to get pole? Hmm. Verstappen. And then I sat there and asked the same question to myself. And it was the first time that I didn't have the belief that Hamilton would be able to pull the lap out of the bag. And I was a little bit worried. No. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. As a true as a, Lewis As a fan. true, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, interesting Going into the race, obviously, Verstappen made that mistake into turn two or locked up and lost, lost the rear in turn one. And then I was like, oh, here we go. Verstappen, uh, Lewis is just going to drive off. Then, was it, was it Mercedes' race to lose? Yes. Did Red Bull outsmart Mercedes? In a way, I almost feel like everyone came out of that race and said, oh, the undercut was so much more powerful than we thought. Like, Red Bull did the undercut for the first time. How did Mercedes not realise how powerful it was to then go and put them onto a two-shot strategy like they did in Barcelona? I feel like the drivers did everything they could. They drove the wheels off the car, both of them. Um, Verstappen obviously showed just what uh, world champion he is by the way that he drove and the way that he was able to build that um, or sort of like diminish that gap. That's a good question. I would say it was, I, I think Red Bull won that race. Okay. Clever strategy and great driving by Max? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, by, 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 by Perez and Max, I think they both drove how they needed to drive to get maximum points for that race. Lewis did everything he could because there was a moment where Lewis, uh, Max was catching Lewis by like two seconds a lap and then all of a sudden you realise, oh, actually, Lewis was slowing down to just preserve those tyres a little bit more. Are we going to see the genius in the tyre management? And all of a sudden, there was a couple of laps where Lewis was quicker than Max, and we were like, oh, hold on, Max's tyres have gone because he was putting on old tyres from qualifying rather than fresh tyres that Lewis had in Barcelona. Um, so it was, it was just all playing out, and there were so many moments in my head of conversations that we had had. Oh, if it was the other way around in Barcelona, Max wouldn't have been, Lewis wouldn't have let Max overtake, and then obviously it happened. I was expecting it. I just didn't think Lewis had, I think he was a bit of a sitting duck. Um, and overall, I think, I, think, I think Red Bull 
won that race. I think Mercedes threw it away. Yeah, I think that, that was definitely what I wanted to pick up. It, it was Tony who I was talking to. I can't even remember if it was during a proper behind the glass podcast or just off air. And he was like, thing is though, Hamilton's the best. Like this was speaking about Barcelona when Hamilton chased down Verstappen, overtook him with Hamilton. But also Bahrain go. where Lewis was putting the car where Max wanted so, of course, the actual racing, the actual, yeah. you know, when they went, they went wheel to wheel and, and Max went a bit wide and had to give the position back and all of these things. But, but specifically that Barcelona race where Mercedes pulled out the strategy out the bag and Tony was just going crazy with like, that's why Hamilton's the best. Like Hamilton's a <laughs> ha- look at I said, the thing is, that was Mercedes. Like Mercedes won that race. That was brilliant strategy. Yeah. He had such a time. Yeah, but if it was the other way around, <laughs> Max, Max would never be able to catch and overtake Lewis. Like, and I said, no, yeah. it's not the case. And, and thankfully we got to, I'm seeing Tony later, like I'm going to go, ha, idiot. Because yeah, there were a couple of factors here. So firstly, at the beginning of the race, when Max made that mistake and then listening to him on the radio, I was like, ha, huh. mm. because I've always thought that over a championship season, and we're seeing it right here and right now, does Max have the mental aptitude to take on for a whole season. Lewis Hamilton, you know, and I'm not saying Lewis like, oh, I'm saying seven time world champion. The man has won championships consecutively for 50 years, it feels like. <laughs> it's all he knows how to do and he knows how to do it so well. And he's, he's also lost championships. So over a year, you've got to be so strong and smart. And he's learned from this Hamilton, learned from the likes of Alonso and Button who race in a very different way. And even Rosberg about, you know, to playing the long game. And I thought when Max went off and then listened to a bit of his radio and just getting a sense that he was a bit frustrated, I was like, huh. Mm. Okay, so we're starting to see here that Max is still a little bit hot-headed, a little bit, but was driving the race and needed to drive. I think in the first in, I kind of thought, okay, Lewis has got this. Like, yeah. we're, we're like, this is it's probably fine. It's going to be a cool race. Yeah. But, and then when the undercut worked, I was like, oh, wow. Mm. Like, we've got a race on our hands, yeah. thank God. Yeah. I kind of thought Lewis had it though because they were... Basically, he was within a second. Both the Mercedes were within a second of Red Bull. At that moment, it was incredible because they were all pulling away from the rest of the field at such an insane rate of knots. But I was like, if both Mercedes are within a second, like, or within two seconds of Max, I was like, that means they've got a solid pace advantage. They just can't get past at the moment. Then they started to drop back a bit. I thought, okay, fine. So Lewis has been clever enough to save some tyres to attack again. If it remained a one-stop strategy... I think maybe we would have had the same outcome because I just think the Red Bull was hard to overtake in a straight line. But I do think Lewis would have sort of saved some tyres and come at him again at the end of the race and maybe we would have seen uh, a Hamilton victory. I don't know. But the point being, yes, Red Bull outsmarted Merck, pulled the trigger first, which is what Mercedes should have done. But, oh my God, did Lewis manage to, to, I mean try and evade the inevitable for as long as possible, somehow saved those tyres or managed to eke out performance from those tyres that no one thought he would have. And we saw Bottas going backwards. Okay, fine. Bottas only finished 14 seconds, well, 12 seconds off Hamilton. So Mm. Hamilton did an amazing job, but it was 12 seconds further down the road that that Verstappen had to travel to catch. And you're right where at times at the beginning of the stint, it was two seconds per lap, but by the end, it was minuscule sort of gains. The thing that disappointed me was how how sort of little fight Lewis did put up because, and I think this is a sign of him being the elder wise. And I think he just went, uh, it, it's inevitable. He's going to get past me. Do you think if 
the Baku result was different and Lewis hadn't have gone off at turn one at the restart. As in, if Lewis had picked up the points at Baku, mm. how do you think Lewis would have reacted in that situation there? Do you think, oh, I'm just going to bank these P2 points? I think no, differently. I think, I think on Friday, Mercedes thought they were well off the pace. Mm. And I think Lewis was happy to get a P2, all things considered. And I think he has just learned and he just knows that that was a victory that was going to be hard to save, even or, even with one he, lap to he go. He was happy with P2. I think he was in, like, in general. I run the risk of, I think he's wary of Max. Yeah. I think he thinks that Max, he could have a crash with Max. And I think he just thinks, let him go. Score the two points. So, so score the second, score the <laughs> you two. You really don't know the points scoring, so, do you? It's so confusing. <laughs> Bag the second place. I'll have my day. I'll have my, yeah. like, we outsmarted them in Spain. They've outsmarted us here. It is what it is. Do you think Mercedes and Lewis are hoping for another DNF for, for, for Verstappen? Do you feel like the, that's the only way that they're going to? No, I don't think it's the only way. I think I think the season will continue to ever I think Red Bull are on a real roll right now. We've seen in Austria, Max has really pulled out some results over the years. We've also seen Mercedes perform very well there. I think Mercedes are confident in themselves and in Hamilton's ability. I think... Toto hinted on the fact that they've turned quite a lot of their attention to 2022. And Do you not think that's quite mad? Because I don't think it's mad because I think, I think probably what it means is there is a small contingent still working on 2021. There will be some updates coming. I think what he was insinuating is that we will, we will let go of some race victories. We're not giving up on the championship. We're still here to fight for the championship. Do you think he's bluffing to Christian Horner? Because I just feel like Red Bull are looking at that to be like, okay, we'll just put a little bit more than what they're doing into our car this year. Because mm. I think Red Bull are so hungry for a world championship and a constructors' championship. 100%. They, I can't see them not throwing as much money as they can into this season just to take that away from Lewis. And I don't know whether Toto's playing like an unbelievable mind game on Red Bull to be like, oh, we're not really that fussed about this season. We'll sandbag during practice. And then all of a sudden, because Lewis's second lap in qualifying would have got pole if Max hadn't have improved. Yeah, but Max did. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, but like, you know, like, they're out of, out of almost like, they're almost out of contention every single practice. And you're like, oh, mm. Mercedes really are off the pace. Like, look at Baku. They're probably chase, ch testing 2022 parts. We <laughs> <laughs> so, no, you're right. I mean, it's obviously a hard car to set up and find yeah. the balance of, but it would be super naive of them, or I think very un-Mercedes of them, to fight tooth and nail for a 2021 championship to threaten their 2022 dominance. Because we, if you look back in 2009, the last major rule change, I mean, of course, the introduction of the hybrid era, mm. um, Ferrari and McLaren were fighting tooth and nail to the end of the year. You know, with that was Hamilton, Massa, and all the development. It was so much aero development back then. And their 2009 cars were both crap. <laughs> and I think Mercedes as a brand, as a group, as Toto Wolf, as I say, I don't think they're giving up. I, if you think of a company of a thousand people, when maybe usually you've got 600 people working on the current season and 400 looking at next yeah. year, maybe that's switched vice versa. And therefore what he's saying is that you know, the rate of development is not going to be as much as previous years, but we know there's developments coming. And, and, and if we have to sacrifice a few races along the way, we will bag the points mm. because we know we've got upgrades coming. We know tracks are going to suit us better. And we know we can keep, we can keep within a couple of tenths yeah. of Red Bull. That, that's what I think. I think he knows it's going to be a really hard-fought championship. I feel like that's so risky when you look at 
the reason why Matt, uh, Lewis has gone in with a one-year contract because mm. he wants to, he wants that eighth world championship. Mm. He wouldn't be in that Formula One car if he doesn't. Of course. And at what point does Lewis go, guys? Give me the, more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, give me more. Like this. Mm. This is this is a little bit of a squeaky bum time. We are twenty-five. We are thirty points behind mm. Max Verstappen. I'm in this seat for my eighth world championship. And at the moment, we've got 70% of our staff working on the next year's car, which I might not be in. Yeah, but I think Lewis has the belief in himself and maybe the team. But I don't. I've lost yeah, it. You don't, I've you're lost freaking it, out. Because <laughs> it's been so long since Lewis has been threatened. And realistically, you've only really been into Formula One whilst he's been dominant. You don't know what it's like to see Lewis losing. I was there in the dark years. <laughs> no, no, no. So was 2010, I. 2010. So was I. 2010, 2009. Uh, 2010 I watched him make all of those rogue mistakes. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But the thing is, I think he's been in this position before with competitors, whether it was Rosberg, whether it was Alonso in previous years, whether it was Vettel mm. in the Ferrari, he knows what it's like to go behind. He knows how a championship works. It's one ra- It's yeah. one race, it's 12 points. He's got time. Like I think if it gets to Monza and you know September, October time, and they are losing pace, because the, the thing is, Pace deficit isn't huge. No. They are there or thereabouts. They got outsmarted on strategy. That's it. And they put his hand, we got outsmarted. Like, what can we do? We got outsmarted. He was on much fresher tires. There's nothing we could do at that point. I think if Mercedes were qualifying sixth, seventh, yeah. or eighth every race, and they were finishing in those positions 30 seconds off the pace, I think Lewis would be freaking yeah. out. But they're not. If they're not first, they're, they're second. They're doing just enough. They're doing just enough. Always, you know, in a car park at the back of Grand Prix. But, <laughs> but you know, like they're doing just, and, and that I think that's he just knows he's just got to deliver, and that's what it is. Rather than Mercedes throwing the complete toolkit to sort of get them back to being a second ahead, they're just a bit like we've got to focus on next year. We are within that tenth of a window, and we'll stay within that tenth of a window. And believe in yourself, Lewis. You've got to go win it. We believe in us. And Bottas is like, I can't drive this thing, <laughs> even but, though he had Lewis's chassis. Yeah, <laughs> oh, don't get into yeah. the whole chassis game. I can't bear all that stuff. Uh, anyway, it was a it was a fascinating French Grand Prix. A yeah. very different, you know, excitement uh, in terms of you know all about the strategy. But it gave us a race that we could all tune in and enjoy. And we now have this, well, this now double header coming up, mm. the Styrian and the Austrian Grand Prix. Love that circuit. I love that circuit. Mm. We have seen some really good races there in recent years. Also some processional ones. So yeah. let's see what we can do. But it does mean that you're going to get a triple header from us. Boom, boom, boom. Dun, dun, dun. Today, next Monday and the Monday after. Let me, let me just, just check, check my, my calendar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I can commit to all of that. Can you commit to all of that? Monday the 28th and Absol- Monday the absolutely. 5th. Absolutely. Brilliant. So yeah, so we will be back with you next week to review, I guess it's the Austrian first and then the Styrian? I don't, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. know which way round. Do you not think they should like do the track reverse? Or I know. When they're doing double headers, that's what I think. Do yeah. the track reverse or do a different layout or do something. Like that was can great. They do it, can they, I don't think they can do another layout there. No, but the Bahrain, that's why it's so great at Bahrain yeah. to have the different layout. But you're right, do it in reverse. God, mm. turn one in reverse would be nuts. <laughs> that downhill. <laughs> woo! Uh, but yeah, let's wait and see. Let's see if Mercedes can turn the tide on the board at their home oh, track. Yeah, that yeah. would be pretty mega statement if Mercedes do walk away with two wins 
in Austria. Um, but yeah, very exciting and the season continues to be mega. So if you are enjoying After the Checkered Flag, make sure to subscribe if you're watching here on YouTube. Turn on notifications so you don't miss those future race reviews. If you're listening, keep listening on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, Paul is Wallace PJW on most social media platforms I these am. days and he does tweet and Insta story about F1 occasionally. That was a bit dodgy, those tweets. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Very occasionally. Very Hamilton biased. But I'm picking but anyway, it back up. Yeah. So... Follow. Tune in. Uh, and I'm obviously seen through glass on most platforms as well. So we will catch up with you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit UH1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.